Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hello and welcome to today's episode with me, Dr. Shabnam Berry Khan. This is a bit of a rough and ready episode, actually, as I was going to do an episode on racism to reflect the horrendous month we've had as a nation following the football, and particularly because it had quite a strong impact on me. But I've also decided to take a break over the summer from uh, the podcasting. Uh, Don't worry, I will be back in September. And I didn't want to end the series on such a heavy, albeit very important note. So I've instead decided to take the opportunity to share some of my thoughts and reflections on this inaugural, I suppose you could say, season of the Psychology of Case Management podcast and my decision to take a break from it over the summer. And then to think about how this discussion actually relates back to the benefits of being self-reflective. As you will probably know by now, my motivation to create this podcast, the Psychology of Case Management podcast, was because I I felt that psychology plays a super important role in the personal injury work we do, regardless of our actual professional positions. And that the first and foremost issue is that we are humans talking to other humans who have been seriously injured and who along, you know, with family and professional teams are, are usually pretty desperate to try to improve their situation. And that without recognition of a fundamental psychology concept of protecting the therapeutic relationship, outcomes are limited and emotions continue to sort of run high and become barriers. And I came about this need to highlight the value of therapeutic alliance when I realised that as a treating psychologist and a practicing case manager, it is just as important to strengthen and build on our relationships, not just with our clients and for their sake, but with our colleagues and for our sake. The maximised outcomes happen when the team around the client is working optimally and what is formed is usually bigger than the sum of its parts. And we can only really achieve this if we are individually optimally functioning Hence the mindset and self-care themes that emerge once a month, including this uh, episode. And being self-reflective in many ways is at the heart of the therapeutic alliance, as far as I understand it. When our client is struggling for whatever reason and we need to talk about a tough issue with them, we will quickly process what we can bring to the situation to help today without hindering tomorrow's need. If the MDT is frustrated due to a problem, we will want to offer something that feels supportive. And if someone is upset with us, we might think about what we could have done differently to have changed the outcome. It is the process that everyone, I would like to hope in our field for sure, uses to some degree to understand their work, their personal lives, and of course themselves to make sure improvements all round can continue to be made for their sustainable futures. When I trained as a psychologist, this was clearly second nature to to how psychologists think and not something I, I would really shy away from, although I do appreciate it's, you know, like an onion, lots of layers. 
And I expected to have it as part of my supervision and I offer it in supervision to my associates today. We have it as part of the model for support worker supervision and I insist it is part of the communication I have with my clients, psychology clients or case management ones. But I could soon see after taking on case management work that this was not this sort of idea of reflective practice was not necessarily in the world of the personal injury practitioner in the same way. And it it was being self-reflective and and even deeper than that self-reflexive, which is the deepest type of self-reflection that evokes change and mindset shifts. And it's that that compelled me to set up the Psychology of Case Management podcast. Self-reflection and reflexivity are the biggest and best tools I have ever used to maintain that therapeutic alliance with my clients and colleagues and to get the best I can for my clients and the team around me while also thinking of myself within that. And I'm not saying that I get it right all the time, but that's the beauty about the work. I'm okay with not getting it right all the time. And I know that the more I practice self-reflection and self-reflexivity, the more likely I am to kind of get it right. As I've recorded episodes for this podcast, I have been grateful and and really humbled by the guests wanting to talk about their personal injury journeys as professionals and how they can in fact sort of relate it all back to maintaining a good rapport with their clients and their colleagues. From how to run a case management company with Ali McNamara, to understanding how to contain therapy with different ideas like compassion-focused therapy and acceptance commitment therapy with our PsychWorks associates, to how to run care teams effectively with Dr Stavros, to understanding better recruitment with HR experts like Lara Crombie. On the back of this, this is why I also wanted to set up the LinkedIn and Facebook groups to open up the conversations and to share what we need to, to be able to achieve the best we can achieve as a profession or a group of professions. But the best bit for sure has been being able to hold myself and my needs in mind too. This is never an easy thing to do, for sure. And as a helping professional, by default, we would, of course, find this hard. But the focus on the therapies of clients, the podcast and the social media community groups, you know, I hope gives you permission to say, hey, I'm actually completely overwhelmed here. Or, um, hang on, I'm a bit knackered. And the the self-reflexive bits help deepen that reflection to initiate helpful change for the better. It was doing the deep level truth searching, maybe, um, when I was aware only of a feeling of irritation that I realised I wanted to work part-time over the summer to be more with my family, and the podcast schedule wouldn't have allowed for that as it stood at the time. So I decided to build in a break, and I feel so much less stressed as a result. And I suddenly feel more headspace to comfortably help my clients adjust to my reduced timetable without carrying the baggage of guilt and letting people down. It's really, uh, you know, it's a really good feeling. And I'm sure we've all been there in moments like that. So I reckon I've probably explained enough as to why self-reflection and that deeper self-reflexivity are important in the work we do as personal injury professionals. But what is self-reflection and self-reflexivity and how do you actually do it? 
And it just occurs to me that I haven't even defined what self-reflection is or self-reflexivity. So I probably ought to do that right now. So for me, self-reflection is like kind of pressing a pause button on what's going on, taking the time to think about what I'm doing, what I've done, uh, my reactions, my decisions, and their likely impact on me and those around me. Self-reflexivity, on the other hand, is more about um, maybe my ability to incorporate my own self-awareness into my practice by using my relationship with self and my own experiences to inform my responses in the relationship with a client or a colleague. It asks questions around kind of my positioning and provides a way to include my own biases in the work that I do. I kind of, um, you probably know now, I like to think in pictures. Um, and the picture I, that forms in my mind when I think about it is like having a piece of string connecting my heart and head together. Um, so, so very internal connection. And then from my head outward of my body to say the task I've just performed or the experience I've just had, it sort of indicates kind of the observable outward traits. Um, so the self-reflection bit, the bit that others can see and can also comment on is the bit that sort of links my head to the tasks I've just done or the behaviours I've just um, exhibited. And you could say that, I guess that's the objective bit maybe, but the bit that connects my head and heart, the bit that's internal is the reflexive bit. And that's a bit no one else can see. And that's the bit that draws draws on my subjective life, I suppose, um, my assumptions, you know, the baggage that makes me, well, I guess me. It's my awareness of myself, like looking at myself from outside of myself and appreciating that how I see myself will colour the experience of, of, of myself that exists through my behaviours and words. So it would incorporate things like my sex, my gender, my age, my ethnicity, my socioeconomic position, education, life traumas, my joys and my happinesses, my assumptions about the world, my blind spots, um, and of course the things that I see very clearly in life as I understand it. it. It's my everything that makes me me. And of course, listening to me, you won't know this internal stuff about me, but you'll just see that kind of running with that string analogy, the observable bits of me, right? If my deeper self-reflexivity creates change, you will see that. Or in this space, you'll hear it through the podcasts. Self-reflexivity therefore allows for conscious raising or consciousness raising and bringing out core truths about yourself into the fold. Talking of folds, someone once described the process of reflexivity like making puff pastry. So for those who don't know, it's about rolling out the pastry and then adding a dollop of butter and then folding it back on itself, rolling it out again, adding more butter, folding it back on itself, rolling, adding, folding, and repeating that process over and over and over again. And if anyone has tried making baking puff pastry, you have to do that a lot of times to get an even halfway decent puff going. I really like that analogy because as any puff paste pastry maker will know, it's 
bloody hard work and you can really lose motivation and it's never really clear when enough is good enough. But it's a given that this is what you have to do and so you carry on nonetheless through the hardship because you know the rewards of a beautifully risen piece of pastry over that pie is totally worth it. I think we are the same in the reflexive process to help us feel like the buttery experiences of life have been sufficiently processed on the foundation of previous life experiences and that we are rolling our lives personally and professionally in a way I guess that feels congruent, consistent, authentic and sustainable for us, meaning we're more likely to get the best pie at the end too. Ooh, that's made me a bit hungry for pasty, so I better chip away at this, get it? Oh. Anyway, the chances are that um, the how of self-reflection is not completely unfamiliar to you. I mean, if you've ever asked yourself the question, how did that happen again? Or why do I always say or do that? Then it's likely that you have already exhibited an ability to be self-reflexive. Granted, it's a first step, but it's a really important first step and start of a, a, an important journey. Reflecting can be argued as a three-part process. So it can be helpful to begin with a description of what happened. Um, you could say it's like a, a bit like scene setting. And you might want to ask yourself the question, why do I need to reflect on this situation? Or what makes this situation worthy of reflection? And sometimes it's tricky because the, the, those tricky situations or negative um, interactions usually prompt those questions. But I'd like to stress here that reflecting on positive experience is just as important because it can help replicate that moment again or help identify important factors that you might want to build on or highlight. Equally, it might be an ex- existential pursuit. Why am I working as a case manager or in the law or as a therapist? What about my upbringing and how has that sort of contributed to me being a helping professional? You know, whether my focus is on the physical or the psychological, or what, you know, why that emphasis? Is my desire to be a helping professional driven by something positive or negative? The next stage of reflection requires you to gather what you know of the situation and to relate it back to yourself and what you already know about the situation. So asking yourself questions like, how is this request relevant? This will be where you begin to bring into the fold an awareness of your own feelings, assumptions and lack of knowledge. And it's not necessarily about recognising them. It might be about challenging them. What did you bring to the situation that had an impact? Or what didn't you bring? Like, I don't know, knowledge or sort of a sense of openness that might have made the situation different. Processing how these factors play out allows us to recognise points of learning, but also changes that need to be made. And that then leads us to the final stage of reflection, which is one of change where the analysis of the earlier two stages is assimilated into your conscious understanding of yourself. How you see others, what your beliefs and your values are, what your views or opinions are, your position in society, for example, and with your audience, you know, whether that audience is, you know, kind of a client or a colleague. 
It is the deepest level of reflection and it is the iteration and reiteration of this final process that raises your your awareness of yourself and brings unconscious thinking more to the conscious level. The truth of who you are and why you do what you do effectively. I can't say that it's a comfortable process all the time, but I can tell you it's well worth the discomfort to achieve that version of yourself that you think you are or that you want to be. And of course, we don't really ever get there, but you feel or you begin to feel more fulfilled and satisfied that you're with your life and that your life is the life you're living is kind of good enough. I mean, we're all trying to get there. And I know certainly I am. And this process has been massively helpful. And it is that last stage, particularly, that is the reflexive aspect of reflection. If you'd like to stay with me, I'd really like to invite you to join me in a very short exercise on being reflexive. So go grab a piece of paper um, and a pen. However, if you feel like you're done for now, thank you so much for listening. And I really look forward to offering you another solo podcast in September when series two is launched um, and after hopefully a very refreshing break. So bye for now if you're choosing to leave. If, however, you would like to hang out with me for the next five minutes or so, go ahead and grab that paper and pen and feel free to pause me at this point if you need time still. And once you've got your paper and pen, try to find a comfortable seating position and take three breaths in and out. And on your paper, if you could draw two stick people, so they fill half of you or half of the space that you have so label one of them personal and one of them professional and the question for each stick person that you've drawn is who are you in this life so I want you to write down three observable or reflective characteristics this is the string coming from your head outward that is observable, that people can see, and three non-observable or reflexive characteristics for each. And if you can write the observable reflective characteristics around the drawing to represent what others can also see, and write the internal ones only known to you on the sort of skeleton of the stick person to denote what only you know or feel of yourself. Now remember, this is only seen by you, so you can be as honest as you like. This is kind of like truth-seeking, and you need to be comfortable with your own truths. Observable characteristics might be that you're hard-working, that you're reliable, that you are caring. Reflexive internal characteristics might be that you like to be in control or that you had a tough childhood, or that you've never really understood veganism. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, give yourself a couple of minutes to do this exercise. Again, feel free to pause me. 
So what did you notice about what you put in the reflective or observable space and the reflexive, unobservable parts of your diagrams? Are they the same or different across your personal and professional lives? However they sit across these two parts of you, what does that mean to you? How do you make sense of those similarities or differences? Perhaps you might even want to go into your body for a moment. How is your body reacting? Can you sense anything in particular parts? If not, that's okay for the purposes of the exercise. And maybe you might want to think about whether it's normal for you to respond to introspection in the way that you are. And are you okay about that? Please note, um, and I probably should have said this earlier, that there is really no judgment here. This is about how you sit with and understand yourself in a very simple, personal, private way. But even that simple, personal and private way can bring up a lot. But everyone needs to start somewhere in order to affect change that is needed for themselves and their work. Even the most content amongst us know that it's hard to maintain that position of contentment because it requires a lot of shifting and adaptation because the world and our needs are forever changing. To maintain a healthy balance, we also need to shift and adapt. How are we doing that? Are we doing it enough? can we do it enough? And I can honestly say from a personal perspective that this is a really worthwhile exercise to do regularly where I have made some significant changes in my own personal and professional life because the truth of the matter was that I have been overwhelmed probably on the trajectory to burnout most probably and just generally being a bit bloody miserable frankly. It has taken a lot of effort and mental space to really look into that heart-head-string connection and to really see, feel and acknowledge the truth of who you are in yourself and in relation to other people. It's not wrong or bad unless you use it to your advantage and the only way we can prevent feeling accused of using our advantage or our privilege is by being reflexive. In the work we do, we might ask ourselves, how do you view, how do we view ourselves and how do I view my client? What does the relationship mean to me? Am I okay with that? Do I work with a hierarchy in mind? And if I do, where am I in that hierarchy? And where are each of my, say, clients or other people that I work with? And again, am I okay with that? Are those hierarchies the same for all my clients or does it shift slightly? And my relationship, particularly to my clients, does that shift? And what causes those shifts? Why is it different? And does that cause any issues, either internally or otherwise? And I could go on. I won't, of course, because I think you probably get the gist of what I'm trying to say. It can all run so deep everything that there is to know about ourselves and to uncover and that we take for granted um, and that we've experienced in our lives. And while I'm not proposing a deep dive into all of that, I am suggesting maybe a little daily reflective or reflexive practice to help you just be the best you deserve to be.
I'm going to stop there. Um, thank you so much for listening in. I hope this has been helpful. And I think there are probably a couple more episodes of this series yet to go. So um, I hope you enjoy. Feel free to listen back to any of the other episodes that we've recorded over the days. And I really look forward to continuing with series two after the summer. All right. Thank you for listening. Wishing you well. Take care for now. Bye bye. go if you enjoyed the episode today i'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all and if there's any topic you wish for us to cover please drop us a line on our website thank you so much for all your support 